Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. All right, welcome to this week's edition of Lights Up. We're going to do things a little different this week. We're at the halfway point for our first season and allow some of the listeners to send us some questions and and also for the three of us just to have a conversation about the podcast and the world of theater and um, how things are going right now. So uh, that is what we're going to do this week. So I hope that you'll stick around for us. And then uh, next week, we uh, are back with another five more weeks of new unpublished, well, not really new, but unpublished plays by um, playwrights that we all think that you should hear from. Um, So with that, I'm just going to kick the questions off. Um, What is your favorite ETC moment? I don't know if it's a moment per se, but I will say from being in that inaugural season and that first production of Angels in America, where sometimes there were more people on stage than there were in the audience, to coming back and visiting uh, over the years and doing, you know, sold out extended glee camps and coming in to see shows where, you know, again, you were selling out or extending shows to now doing a podcast where we're reaching, you know, an audience, we have submissions from New Zealand. Um, To me, that's my favorite kind of memory is looking back on those moments where everybody was just starting out and, and pulling things together and, and really coming together as a, as a little tiny family and community and to now be doing what you're doing, you know, and, and seeing the growth, I guess my favorite moment would be stepping back and seeing the growth. Yeah. And you've had, that's, it's been interesting because, you know, Dana was there at the beginning and then she came back, but she's always had like this, like sort of like outsider's perspective of what's going on. So, um, so that's good. That's 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 a very good point. Uh, I do remember back in those days when it was just going to be a lot of fun with a lot of friends doing some stuff, and then all of a sudden now it's like, oh, we have overhead. <laughs> so which is good, but it's also frightening, you know. And then, um, yeah. So Christy, what about you? Okay, so for some reason, this is one that just keeps popping up for me. And this was early on. So I want to say this was like 2011. And you and me and John Thomas were still really learning how to work together and, (laughs) and balancing personality of dynamics and different visions and what's important and things like that. And I can remember, I mean, there were a lot of, I will say, very productive, high volume discussions, those first couple of years. (laughs) And I can remember us being at the St. Andrews Center. And we were building a set and I can tell you where I was sitting. I'm trying on the set. I'm I'm trying to remember what the show was. Um, For some reason, I want to say it was Comedy of Errors, but I know it wasn't. It was earlier than that. And I had John Thomas to my left and I had you to my right. And you two were just battling it out over (laughs) what was the most important thing. And that conversation is where we got our term big picture right now. And with that term took us through so much in terms of what, in, in, ter- in terms of how we work together. Right, how we What is our priority yeah. at the moment? Anyway, so yeah. that's, that's, what, it's, that's silly, but that's, 
I consider that a privileged perspective because I did get to be a producing partner early on and seeing those conversations and really what it took to get theater up on its feet and to get a, yeah. a theater uh, company, you know, just going, you know, that was, it's, that's an intimate memory of like, man, like. Well, I mean, that like really shaped kind of what, what our mantra is, you know, whenever we, whenever there's an argument or a disagreement or some kind of like come to head, we always say, okay, what's the big picture right now? (laughs) Big picture right now. the, The conversation was literally me going, Big picture, big picture, and John Thomas going right now, right now. <laughs> there was something, there was something about that where we were just like, ah, oh, duh, you know. And then we just went back and we like hugged and you know made up and built a set. No, I, I love that memory because that's that's become kind of our mantra. Like, I guess if we were to ever get a T-shirt, it would it would say that. It would. Um, but uh, I think my favorite moment for ETC was the. The first time that I went to a post a post office box, you know, back when those were still a thing, <laughs> and dropped a load of checks into the mail to send out to actors. I think that was for me like the moment where I was like, wow, this is this is something that gives me a lot of pride and a lot of pleasure, you know, because it's somehow fulfilling some kind of uh, dream. So for me, I guess that's mine. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So we have a question from a listener, um, Matheson Winnemer, who has worked with us before. And she's in South Carolina. And she asks us, what is the most difficult thing about producing? Um, Matheson, I think the most difficult thing is trust. For me, it's, uh, and it's not just trusting other people, it's trusting yourself and the decisions that you make. Uh, You know, did I do I, did I pick the right person? Did I move in the right direction? Um, am I managing everybody's personalities, you know, as good as can be, you know, did, are we spending the right amount of money on marketing? Are we spending the right amount of money here? And just trusting that once a decision's made, it's the right decision. So for me, I think that's the most difficult. Well, and I think my answer would kind of pivot off of your answer. I do think finding that balance of, really utilizing your capital to its full potential. Do you do you spend the lion's share on production value and hope that word of mouth marketing is going to carry you through? Or do you inverse that and pour it mostly into marketing, then shoestring your production value and and see, and you know, to, to figure out that balance mm-hmm. has been so key, especially with us early on in those years of we don't have a lot of startup capital, but we need this to we need this to yield. So how how do we how do we manage that balance? So to me, finding that um, riding that wave of that ebb and flow has been probably the most challenging thing. Yeah, and even with personnel, like you know, people that have come and gone with leadership with ETC, it's been you know how do we best utilize the resources and the assets that they bring to the table, you know, um, mm. and and making sure that we can do that. So getting a, a good team together and then trusting that that team is going to carry you through and then make the right decisions because once the decision is made, it has to be right. Well, I would say, I mean, the two of you do a lot more traditional producing in your day-to-day life than I do. Um, I'm more of a producer of content for myself when we're in audition season and doing things like that. Um, I would say, and for this particular podcast, um, you both spoke about 
uh, trust and money. I think for me too, time is a very difficult thing. Um, and that I think ties directly into what you were saying as far as a trust or just building the right network of people around you, right? Like that, and also, you know, figuring out where to allocate the money. And I think both of those things directly relate back to time. Uh, right now, this podcast has kind of grown out of, we have time because we're not producing things physically. So how are we going to use that time? Um, and for me, especially, I've realized that 2020 has really shifted my perspective on time. Uh, what is important right now, big picture right now. And, <laughs> and that to me also kind of leads to what is making me happy, right? So if you're spending your time efficiently uh, in a fiscally sound way with people that you love and trust and it's bringing you joy, then it's worth it, hmm. right? And a lot of times producing is about a return on investment and that becomes difficult, but I've kind of had to let a lot of that go this year and just go, is this bringing me joy? Is this, is what I'm physically producing is what I'm spending my time on bringing me joy. There's the literal return on investment, which I think that, you know, especially when we think of commercial theater, which uh, regional nonprofits are really kind of on the fence of being commercial and, you know, innovative and whatnot, but commercial theater relies on the literal return of investment. You know, we're not going to keep making theater if we're not going to keep making money. Um, mm. But there's also something about a return on investment that isn't about money. You know, it's about the time and the emotion and the satisfaction and the artistic achievement. So I love, I love that phrase, return on investment, because as we've developed over the years, that has been redefined for me. And, you know, I wonder, you know, we know that as of now, Broadway is closed until June 2021. Um, and it may be even longer, but do you think the, um, the attitude about producing, especially in the commercial theater and maybe even in the, um, the nonprofit world, do you guys think that that might change and that return on investment may take on a new meaning at least for a temporary um, time after we start performing again, going live? Right now, so much of the shutdown is financial mm. um, because we've seen that there are, there are ways to keep people safe for filming and things and COVID tests and everything. Audiences can stay safe uh, indoors with certain air filtration systems and masks and things like that. But on the scale that you need to do that for a Broadway show to keep it up and running and safe and then you know, you're, you can't ask your entire cast and crew to stay within a pod for a run of a Broadway show. So there's going to be a lot of testing that goes on, right? There's all this, these little tiny moving parts um, that would cost a lot, a lot of money. I'm very curious to see what happens when we reopen, right? Because the longer the shutdown goes, the more difficult it becomes without a bailout. Who's going to step up? So who's going to step up? And have that money and take that risk to open up a show and be okay with that. Because when we come back, it's going to be a whole new world because of the social pandemic, 
I think that was the phrase Derek used or these twin pandemics, right? We have a, a kind of a social reckoning that's been happening. So there's gonna be a, a big change hopefully in artistic staff and casting and, and how we look at all these other things on Broadway. And I, I really hope that someone can step up and say, I'm giving this show a shot. We're gonna do it, we're gonna produce it. And the, the second part would be that we need that audience to come in. We need to talk about trust when you're producing. We need to have an audience that really trusts Broadway again. So I, that's a long way to say, I don't know, but I think we need some heroes to step up. Well, if that's interesting. I love the, that you say hero because it's, but that's, that's been the, uh, the problem with regional theaters since they started up mm -hmm. was, Who's going to be their patron? Who's going to be their hero? Who's going to step out and say, you know, here, do what you do because what you do is worthy. I worry about that, and and I and I hope there is someone who will step up and help. It it's already difficult enough to produce a show, time and uh, energy and assets and things like that to have to complicate that by making sure that everyone's even more safe than what we were doing before. It just adds this extra layer of stress and, you know, maybe a little anxiety that makes me, you know, feel more comfortable sitting in my chair behind my computer talking about theater and recording theater than wanting to take a step back out in that world. And, and I'm afraid for a lot of artists who might be miss, you know, might miss their opportunity or might, you know, move beyond their calling because of the time frame. Yeah, I do have, um, I do have some hope for the regions and, and I think you guys will have a better um, take on this. So I'm, I'm curious about that. There's a part of me that has hope for regional theater coming back a little faster than Broadway in the sense that I know so many actors who have left New York, so many um, Broadway and other professionals who have left for the time being and are going back out into the regions. And perhaps these smaller areas where people grew up and had a lovely childhood and their parents or their aunts and uncles are still there, but there's not maybe a huge flourishing arts life. If people are going back there and we're re-injecting those areas with artists, what are we gonna see? cropping up now during this time? What are we gonna see reinvented on a smaller scale? Um, you know, if, if those people are there and are saving money or have families who can help them reinvigorate the arts, is, is that gonna come back first? Are we planting, are we like doing a little Johnny Appleseed and, and kind of redistributing the arts back through mm. the country? Um, that's, that's one hope that I have with, with the amount of people who have left, you know, I know I've heard one or two stories of seasoned Broadway actors returning back to their hometowns and wanting to start up a regional theater and wanting to start that up and take it back out into Arkansas or wherever they're going. Like there's just this magical human connection that happens. And I hope and pray that maybe in the regions where people can drive in their own safe cars and it, it becomes a little more accessible that, that they can bounce back. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there are definitely some innovative performances going on in Chattanooga right now. 
and I know this is just this is part of the the conversation. This is part of the growth. This is part of the figuring it out, you know. But it, it's like, how do we keep the elements of what live theater was and what you know is happening now? How do we keep those elements aligned, or which elements become more important, or which elements become less important? You know, which where do we focus the energy on? Because um, obviously connection between audience and actor it's more intimate in one sense because it's different but it, it still has the intimacy that at least etc thrives on i mean that's that's kind of our ticket is is intimate theater mm -hmm. but at the same time the actor has no idea what the audience is expect is is experiencing missing that for me is difficult as an actor but also as a director because so much of what i do is manipulate or create an experience in the audience and i have no idea how successful i am at that in this medium um and that doesn't mean that i can't be successful and that doesn't mean that there's not a solution to it but that's just where i'm at so yeah i i there, uh, there's a lot of moving and shaking going on outside in the regions and and maybe you're right maybe it's whereas new york fed the regions before and now it's the regions feeding new york um, that would be that would be awesome. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that is how it's going to happen. I think mostly what I've heard is people grateful for the ways we've been pivoting in the midst of it. Not so much a, not so much an eagerness. I don't think anyone's wanting to put pressure. So I think everyone's just kind of respecting the decisions that are being made to still create art and make things available in a new way in a new medium, you know, just as we exist right now but I don't I don't think that I've heard a lot of terms of like when are you guys going to come back I think it's I've we have had that question but I don't think anyone's wanting to put tons of pressure I think mostly what we've heard and Gary you can chime in if you disagree with us but I think mostly what we've heard is I love the content you are producing thank you for doing something um yeah. and, and so that, to me that's just that's been very encouraging someone someone uh at the local community theater said you know thank god you're staying relevant <laughs> you know um why why aren't we all doing that you know mm -hmm. it, it's like a like an artery you know it was all getting clogged because we had all these creative energies and creative juices and creative expectations and they were all just getting clogged because they had nowhere to go um and yeah. we just had to i remember that oh sorry go ahead no, I was gonna say, we just needed some some way to release that you know to to turn the to turn the siphon on so that we could start to release some of that tension and pressure because i think that that really is the biggest thing is there's just a lot of tension and pressure and no one wants to put more on us if we don't get back then we're going to be doing what you know what's our purpose right. which was that i was just going to reference uh gary and i had a pretty intense like facetime or marco polo pretty early on in the pandemic i might cry again talking about it but i had i slipped into a very deep depression probably within the first month or two of the pandemic in a way that I have, oh, I'm going to cry, that I have really never experienced that before. I deal with anxiety in my day-to-day -day life, but this depression was really one that I had not known before. And I, I remember saying to Gary, I, I was having like an identity crisis. I said, what? No, I said, who am I without theater? I said, who, uh, right. And obviously there's parts of that that's like, maybe not healthy that, you know, my therapist would be like, well, <laughs> but, but that's, 
in some capacity or another, whether it is voice lessons or dance class or audition or doing a play reading or a class or whatever it was, that was my, that is my purpose in life. That is the storytelling. And that was my driving force. And, and a lot of, you know, when that, when the possibility of that was stripped away and so much was unknown, we were literally experiencing something that none of us had ever experienced before in our lifetime. And on top of that, then all my day jobs had been stripped away, but now I didn't have them and I didn't have them to feed what I was meant to do. So it was really deep and dark. And I think that's why, not to get too deep and dark, but I think that's why, like you said, that when you said an artery was clogged, that's what it felt like. It felt like this thing that has been lived inside of all of us for, for so, so long was just it it was not a it was not a slow burn it was not expected no one saw it coming and there's no end in sight so it was very scary and i think that's where we see these adaptations and that's why i know it will come back in some way or another someone said to me theater has been around since you know the ancient greeks theater will not die theater has never died it may look different than what we are used to, but I do have faith that theater itself, live theater with people in the same room watching a performance, I I know that that will never go away. Let's, I, that I'm that glad that we were talking away. about this and, I, and I'm gonna transition into our next question, which comes from our good friend, Corey, who actually has his own podcast, uh, Spooky Dudes podcast, oh. if you like horror films they it's very fun to listen to very hilarious but anyway Corey um asks us you know he says um we've seen COVID-19 have a drastic impact on all forms of entertainment and theater in particular has taken a major hit and we've seen entertainers adapt to social distancing by using Zoom, Skype, other live streaming outlets for script readings and short plays how do you see these changes affecting the future of theater once we get out of the pandemic stage and social distancing is no longer the norm? I think, for me, I think that we'll see, and I think Derek kind of alluded to this in his interview last week, um, but we'll see a lot of, we'll see a lot more digital production. Um, definitely, we were heading in that direction with, uh, you know, projections and things like that. And um, so I, I, I imagine that that's what will happen is that we'll see a lot, um, a lot more of the digital presence in the performance. Um, I, I don't know that social distancing won't ever be a norm. You think even after a vaccine? I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a long time. I mean, that really does, you know, there are I, a lot of what for me, the pandemic just it, it put a th you know put into perspective how fast life was moving for everybody, and all of a sudden now we have all this time to think about how fast life was moving and and slow down. And I think that a lot of us will stay slow and stay in that sort of nomad you know keep your distance kind of space. I think there are some of us definitely, but it that will 
not, and then it will do the opposite of that. But I really think the divide between, you know, the introverts and the extroverts, you know, that wedge got is getting deeper and deeper the longer than pa the pandemic exists. So theater is made up of a lot of very, you know, um, mature patrons, right? Um, and are they, you know, more worried than the young ones? And will they, will we be able to supplant the audience with, you know, a younger audience, a younger crowd? I don't, I don't know. The social distancing thing is, is, is definitely something that I, I wonder if that, if that is just going to be the norm for quite a while. I do think a residual effect is going to be a, a lightening of the hustle, if I could say that. Like, I, I think, you know, I think about ETC, we've had seasons where, where we pumped out a show every four to five weeks all year long. And it's, that's one of those, when, you know, when you have certain overhead numbers you're trying to meet, you have to produce a certain number of shows to, to fulfill, you know, fulfill those needs. But, um, <laughs> That's a lot of, you know, in today, that's a lot of exposure to other people. That's a lot of, um, it's a lot of bodies and, and a small amount of space, you know? So I do think the, the quantity of work will be impacted. I see, I see that easily where theaters might go from 10 shows a year, maybe down to three and really limiting yeah. and controlling, you know, maybe it's smaller cast shows to begin with. And um, yeah, I see those, those kind of decisions being impacted. Yeah, I think, you know, smaller cast shows also one 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 man, one woman, one person shows. I think uh, when we first bring theater back, because they're also cheaper to produce. And I think, too, you said it, Gary, um, I hope that maybe we can get more young people in the theater um, and, and see it as a positive that even after social distancing is not the norm, but if we have a vulnerable vulnerable population that might be a little hesitant to return that we can get some of these young people into the theater people who have been kept out of movie theaters kept out of a lot of other places um you know craving some social interaction some some things maybe we can bring them into the theater uh, some of the younger people have returned to schools with safety measures so maybe it'll be less frightening for them to do that sort of thing um, I also think in general, this pandemic is going to be heavily reflected in the new art that we see. Um, I, we're gonna see shows that reference this, right? We may be seeing plays where characters are wearing masks when they come in the door and then take it off and, and enter. And that'll be both a safety measure and a storytelling. There was a play that I saw that was a West End transfer at the um, Park Avenue Armory. And I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember the title, but it was all done in a plexiglass box. Well, yeah, it's interesting. You said, you know, one person shows being how we come back into the world. And my first thought was, yeah, that's how Greek started. You know, it was the actor playwright, one person, you know, and then it became two people and then three people and then I thought that is kind of interesting how- And they all just, wore masks. And they, they all, all wore masks. masks, that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just reinventing itself kind of. And I think that that's, that's exciting. And I, and I, and you know, I think when we all kind of get through our anxiety and our tension and our stresses about the fears, then we can start to reimagine 
because we'll have to. And that getting through all of that so that we can start the reimagination processes, I guess, is where I'm a little impatient because I'm 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 ready to start reimagining what it looks like and how we can do it, um, while at the same time, you know, remaining safe and you know, if we keep moving in the right direction, then we're going to be able to um, survive, uh, survive whatever this is. So, yeah, with that, but I wanted to ask the two of you guys, because ETC has been a part of your life for a long time. What does ETC mean to you? ETC for me means community. That's one of the biggest things that drew me to it in the beginning. And I think it was part of your initial vision, Posey, was friends coming together, creating art, and then turning that into a business. <laughs> but the, the community that it creates, especially when you are surrounded by artists with a desire to grow and improve and contribute. And having, having that dynamic, um, I can think of some of the shows that I've done where I've been surrounded by artists that exemplified those traits that I leave that experience and I suddenly feel better. And I don't mean like better as like, I feel better about myself. No, I feel I've improved as a person, as an artist, as a community member, as a contributor, and just, just the beautiful things that art brings together that I, that to me, that just means everything with ETC. So does it, that yeah, I love that you said community because for me, uh, ETC is about bringing people together, and which is kind of so uh, that's the T, the together, and then the C is the community. So Dana, you get the E. I'm just kidding. That that was not planned. For me, it's bringing people together. That's what. Yeah. It means. Well, and what I love is it's a. There's sometimes I don't even have to be necessarily a part of the production as an actor or director or that capacity, but watching as a producer or as an audience member. I mean, I think of Pillow Man as a great example. Mm blown away and just yeah the community brings around and of course that one's bittersweet because of Jordan but um just that's a that's a timeless memory for me I would say I'm gonna try not to cry um that ETC is a safe place for me um because I think about the three like I've come in and out over the years but I think of the three like major times I've really been involved and that first time was uh, I believe it was the summer before my senior year of undergrad and I didn't want to do some other options I had for theater over the summer and so I got to make theater with you guys with my friend Gary and Derek was there who's one of my very best friends from undergrad and so that felt like a really safe place to go and be a part of something new and we didn't really know what was going to happen that summer I actually flew home in between shows and had my tonsils out <laughs> and then flew back and did another show so it was also like physically safe I could go back recover and it was the first time I was performing with an unencumbered throat which was amazing um and then I came out of an internship in uh I think it was 2011 or 12, I finished a year-long internship at a theater and wasn't quite ready to kind of take the next step. I wasn't quite ready to return right back to New York. I didn't want to go back home. Um, and so that's when we did Drift. And I, you know, you guys found me a place to stay. Shout out to um, Leanne and Fiona Battersby. Um, but like you guys had a place for me to stay and you had, and I got to 
do, I got to teach, I got to perform. And that was the safest place for me to go next. And, and then I think of now, um, one of the things that really has pulled me out of this pandemic depression was Gary going, I want to do a podcast. What should we do? What should we call it? And he just didn't even tell me I was going to be involved at this point. We're brainstorming, you know, titles and what it's going to be. And then it's like a few weeks later, I want you and Chrissy to co-host this podcast. I've always felt like it could be 100% myself with all of you. I feel really safe at EPC. Oh, very cool. Well, thank you guys. I'm again, this is, uh, um, you know, um, uh, ETC is, is a dream for a lot of people, not just mine. And, um, and it's taken a village to get where we are today. And, um, both of you are definitely a part of that village. Hey everybody. It's Gary the producer for Lights Up, Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. Um, and the prop winner for this week is Matheson Winnemer. We and it didn't have a title on it, so um, we're going to call it Untitled. Lights up on a three-legged, colorful calico cat stage left, and a button-eyed bear stage right, facing one another on a cluttered stage. There is no blinking. There is animosity. Today is the day. You never win. You didn't win yesterday. You won't today. And you know what? Tomorrow doesn't look like your day either. Entering a teetering toddler, cat and bear do not move. Again? Bear, you never win. Today is the day. Okay, but mommy says we have to be quieter when we play. She talks so, 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 so much, but I can't wait for the day she understands what I, what I'm saying. Let's go play outside. Toddler begins to pick up toys from around the room. She hears us less and less. Soon she won't be able to understand us at all. Nowadays, it's all mommy this and mommy that. That's okay. We're meant to be outgrown. I don't want to be forgotten. Toddler begins to leave the room, then turns to bear and cat. Toddler is waiting for them to follow. Today is 
not the day. Bear claps his paws in front of the cat's face. Cat blinks and hisses. Bear laughs and chases toddler out of the room. <laughs> you cheated! Get back here! Cat laughs and follows Bear and toddler out of the room. Lights fade. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theatre company located in southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight and Casey Keelan as the associate producer. Next week on Lights Up, we have Daniel Guidance. Brittle. Lights up on Jess, who is seated, reading. Taylor stares at the wall. After a moment, Taylor turns around, surprised. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.